is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 457, recorded Friday, October 25th, 2019. Welcome to the program, everyone. I can't believe it's October 25th already. Where is the month going, Jason? I don't know what the hell's going on. Well, actually, it's okay for me because I thought yesterday was October 25th, so I got an extra day out of the deal. Did you come down in your basement, sit down in front of your microphone, get ready, all ready to podcast and wonder why I wasn't calling you on Skype? Uh, no, because I knew that it was a Thursday and that we were recording on Friday. So I didn't get confused by the days of the week. That happened on Wednesday <laughs> when I thought it was Thursday all day. I see. And it was only Wednesday or was it Tuesday and I thought it was Wednesday. Anyway, that got confused. So yeah, yesterday I thought it was the 25th. So today is also the 25th. So... Uh, from a work perspective and amount of crap I have to get done, uh, by day perspective, I feel like I got an extra day. So you're doing okay then. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. This is okay. And this is kind of weird recording on a Friday because, uh, my brain is now telling me that I have to work tomorrow when in fact I don't. So that's nice too. Oh yeah. You're right about that. I forgot about that too. It does feel like I have to work tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, that's a free day right there. There you go. Now, that being said, I do have another work trip coming up next week. And I have a lot of work to do before going on that trip. So I probably will work a little bit this weekend, which sucks, but not tomorrow. Definitely not tomorrow. It's going to be a Sunday thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have also this, we're going to be away at the same time. So I have a work trip. It's a, uh, around the same time. So we're going to be like remotely recording. You're going to be in, uh, I don't even know where, and I'll be in Lexington. I'll be in Orlando, Florida, everyone. So if there's anyone I'll be actually be at one of the Disney resort hotels and um, I'm going to try my best to make some time while I'm there to go check out Star Wars land or whatever they're calling it oh, and yeah. fly the Millennium Falcon. So I'm really, really excited about that. I, even if I have to wait in line for eight hours, I'm going to regret it if I don't fly the Millennium Falcon. So if anyone has any tips about doing that, I would really appreciate them actually, because I don't know what I'm doing. Well, then you just have to flip switches and move knobs and then get mad at Chewy. I think well, that's, that's the, that's the rule. What I mean is, um, just, you know, I'll be in the dolphin resort hotel or something like that for six nights. Uh, but just tips in general for getting my ticket and getting into the, the park and oh, when I should you I get there. don't want tips on how to fly the Millennium Falcon. No, I feel like I can, I already know that. It's, it's the sort of logistics a, of it all. Yeah. It's a MacGuffin. So you can do whatever you want, right? You just flip switches and the, the, it should go. Well, I guess so, but I'm going to feel like I'm flying it. I hope. Yeah. Okay. And bang, uh, you're going to bang on something. like Of course. And say, punch it, Chewy. Right. That's you have right. to say that. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, if there's any Disney experts out there or anybody who goes a lot or even works there, I would love some tips. So, uh, send in your tips to talking at gmail.com. That'd be wonderful. Or backstage passes or take Ooh. you behind the scenes or get you in for free or, you know, whatever. Private tour? Oh boy, would that make you my best friend for a week? <laughs> yeah. Make you invisible so you could watch all the people without being watched. Even better. Or discorporate so you could like walk through walls and stuff. Boy, can people do uh, that? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. If you, if you know somebody who can go non-corporeal, huh. then uh, they can take you non-corporeal with them. Amazing. I guess anything's possible at Disney. I've, Walt Disney they, himself, he didn't die. He's just not corporeal anymore. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, that's what is happening the week after next. Uh, it, it, there, there could be some impact on the podcast schedule that week, but we're going to do our best to figure it out and minimize that impa- impact. But we will talk about that more next week before that trip happens. In the meantime, well, in fact, today, right now, we have to do our listener feedback about the most recent episode of The Walking Dead. And the first thing I want to do is mention the ratings numbers for this episode. They were uh, weirdly similar to last week or the previous episode. Previous episode was 3.48 million. uh, Sorry, previous was 3.47. I spoiled it. This week is 3.48. Oh, so a little bit up. Okay. A a tiny bit up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, it's within the rounding error, right? Like 0.47 to 0.48. So it's probably... 
51,000 more people and then they just rounded or maybe like 32,000 more and it got above that rounding thing. So then mm-hmm. they could round it up to the nearest, uh, what is that? 10,000 people Four eight. Yeah. Million. That's, uh, you know, a hundred thousand. Yeah. So there's, it's probably within the rounding area. It's not probably a full, you know, number of people that, uh, no, it. it's, just, it's just amazingly close to the week before. So yeah, maybe it's only like 30 people more. Basically this, basically the same number of people watched this episode. So at least they're consistent. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There you go. All right, Jason, let's jump into our listener feedback for ghosts. Sure. Listener feedback. First email we have comes from our friend Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey. And Matt writes, I really dug the horror aspects of this episode. Whenever The Walking Dead leans into the horror and creepy elements of the genre, I think they nail it. Someone hiding in the woods, sleep-deprived hallucinations, Alpha's chilling, the border moves now, better run, pronouncement all worked really well for me. I prefer uh, littler confrontations like these over the full-scale fights I hope we get more of them. So just, you know, posturing. <laughs> you, you crossed the border, so we're moving the border. Well, pretty much. But I think what he's saying is, it, as great as the big stuff on the show is, they also do yep. the little things well. And I would agree with that. But I also appreciate the big stuff quite a bit, too. Yeah. Well, I, I think of it in terms of uh, uh, driving, right? When somebody's trying to get into your lane, you have... Uh, you know, and they're crossing the line. Yeah. You have, uh, you have two options. You can back off and let them cross the line, or you can accelerate and make them hit you if, uh, if they're going to come across. So you just basically go, fuck you. You're not coming into my lane, you stupid bastard. I'm taking the whole lane, <laughs> and then I'm going to cut you off later and do a brake check and uh, tax you for your idiocy. Uh, is that the way you drive? No, it is not the way I drive. <laughs> <laughs> Good, because I don't think that's an appropriate way to drive. No, but that's how Alpha would drive, right? Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, anyways, Matt, thank you for that. Uh, I, I agree. I think the, I, well, lately, anyways, they've been nailing almost all aspects of the show. Little, big, you know, fast, slow, whatever. It's been great. All right, next we have a call from Lee. Hey, Chris and Jason. Uh, Lee in St. Catharines. And I want to talk about uh, when uh, Alpha says, oh, we saw you, you crossed our land three times. Um, crossed him because of the satellite, you know, that, yeah, they could very easily see that. And even the bridge, I can buy that one. But I'm calling bullshit on um, them knowing they crossed when it was the winter, uh, the storm scene. Like, they all left to go to a warmer climate, I assume, because it was hard to live there. So either A, she's got cameras up in the trees and can see that, uh, B, she's clairvoyant, or C, she asked a couple of walkers or whispers to stay behind with wearing basically rags with no form of heat, no consumption of food, no water, and for them not to freeze to death. I'm calling total bullshit on that one because there's no way, I can't think of any way that that's possible. Like, unless they've got, like, you know, some, you know, electricity or a fucking camper van or an RV. I'm calling straight out bullshit. What do you guys think? All right, Lee. Well, here's the, here's the thing. I think we talked about this. We did. We I have an explanation. All right, Jason, give us the explanation. Well, uh, it's because they cut down a couple of frozen zombies, right? And those frozen zombies might have been put there as... Uh, uh, an indicator, like a little piece of hair that you would put on your door jam to see if anybody's coming to your house while you were away, right? If that little bit of hair or fluff or something is disturbed, you know somebody's been there. So maybe these zombies, they noticed that they were cut down when uh, they were supposed to be there just fine, but uh, maybe that's how she knew that somebody was in her territory and just assumed it was our intrepid heroes and not some random schmuck that was just walking through. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, That's what I was going to say, too. We talked about this last season when they chopped down those frozen zombies. Of course, this this is all based on the fact that the Whisperers and Alpha have to assume that it was these people that chopped them down. But I think that's the kind of thing they would do. So I'm I'm not really too surprised. But obviously, it's not cameras and trees and... uh, you know, it's the zombies that were frozen there. So I wouldn't rule out cameras and trees. 
Well, I mean, if our people don't have cameras and trees, I'm hesitant to say that the Whisperers would. Well, it'd be really difficult to get the, keep the cameras in trees powered for months on end. I mean, right? that's the... have to have a, a you know a generator with a uh, a computer hooked up to a camera <laughs> uh, recording, or maybe you just put an SD card in the camera and you'd be fine. But... I, let's be honest, that's the kind of thing that they would do on Fear the Walking Dead because yeah. power yeah. and batteries and all that are just not a big deal, and the whole show is based on cameras, anyways. But yeah. that's that's not a Walking Dead thing. No cameras. Yeah. Okay. Or Alpha's clairvoyant. Or maybe Beta is. I wouldn't put it past Beta to be clairvoyant. Mm, possibly. You're right. Maybe there's a little bit of both. Some frozen walkers and a little touch of clairvoyance. Or maybe Gamma, because, you know, Gamma radiation made the Hulk and Captain America. <laughs> so if somebody has superpowers, it's going to be her. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it makes them clairvoyant, but uh, maybe the Hulk is clairvoyant. I don't know. Maybe the Hulk is in The Walking Dead. Well, that'd be weird, but sure, why not? Why the hell They not? did that once, right? Where, uh, I think it was, it was Marvel characters that got, uh, it was a zombie Marvel crossover. Yeah, there was a whole, Mar was a, zombie. a whole Marvel zombies thing. I don't know too much about it, but I, I think people really enjoyed it. You know, I don't know if it was a long run or just a one-off, but it's a thing that's out there. That's cool. Okay. Next up is Dan in Northern New Jersey and Dan writes, I think the show wanted us to know that the waves of walkers were not from the Whisperers. Even Lydia said it couldn't be them. Eugene points out that it was probably the fire that sent them in this direction, but I wonder if there's something more unusual going on. How could the fire send them in a direction? Are they walking towards the fire and then the fire's out and they just kept going that way? Or are they walking away from a fire? I don't think zombies are afraid of fire. No, but they are attracted to it. And I, and I guess Eugene did make that point that the fire drew walkers in and it certainly did while it was burning. I mean, that's why they had to, to kill them all. Right. And fight yeah. the fire at the same time. But, but you're right. I'm not sure how that really jives with wave after wave after wave of walkers coming toward Alexandria like that over that 48 or 72 hour period. Um, you know, it can draw them, but it, it seemed too organized to me. It just seemed too well orchestrated. So for me to believe that it was anything other than the whisperers directing these groups of zombies there. Well, yeah, but we have two, you know, reliable sources, Eugene and Lydia saying that it's not the whispers. It's not like, like Alpha to do this. And if Eugene has an alternate explanation, even though it's not clear, <laughs> Yeah. I, I tend to, I would tend to believe them. I suppose. I mean, Eugene is the kind of guy who thinks things through and uses his noodle, you know, a lot, but we, we have two whisperers saying that it wasn't them. We have Lydia, who's only half whisperer anymore. And we've got Gamma who showed up and said, it's not us twice. In fact, she was very adamant that it's not us. Right. And she's clairvoyant. So she would know. She would know. That's right. I, I just, I just don't believe her to be honest. She may, the whispers may want Michonne and everybody to re, to think it's not them, but I just, it doesn't make any sense to me that it's not. I think the theory that they send these groups of walkers in to basically wear them down so that they have no ability to not come and meet at the, at the border, right? They're, if, if they don't go to meet at that border, then they just keep sending waves and waves of walkers, like basically until the people at Alexandria can't fight anymore. So it just seems like a good kind of forced negotiating tactic on Alpha's side. I I agree. Yeah. I don't think that's the case. Okay. Because uh, it's weird that we're on this side, this, this side of this argument, because usually I'm on the other side. It's like, no, they're not dead until you show them dead and they're warm and dead. Yeah. Uh, right. And the show's lying to us all the time. Now we've got, uh, the show telling us something like characters on the show telling us one thing when it makes sense that it's the opposite. And, uh, it's just strange for you to be on that side of the argument saying that I don't believe this shit and me being on the side of the argument, whereas, you know, you know what? I, I kind of do believe that these characters are right in this assumption. Basically all I'm saying is I feel like when given options, the most logical one is usually the correct one. And I feel like alpha sending them, is the most obvious. Well, based on the information we have at the moment, yes. Very true, very true. We may not have all the information. I think Eugene knows something we don't. Well, that's generally the case, I would say. Yeah. So, there you go. 
All right, next we have a call from Designer Will. What's up, Chris and Jason? Designer Will with feedback for the most recent episode of The Walking Dead. Now, I've got to say for me personally, this is one of the strongest episodes of the show I have seen. I think it had the perfect blend of characters. I thought we had tons of different stories going in different directions. We had surprises, so not everything was obviously forecasted. Uh, there was tension, I, and, and you know, even interactions like between Negan and Aaron. Like, I don't know. In the beginning, I thought, oh, this is not going to be so great, but I just thought that was really well executed. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. I'm just I'm full of excitement and energy for where the show is going because to me, I was really, really happy with this episode, and I hope we get more of it, and I hope this isn't um, a diamond in the rough type thing. But anyway, I hope you guys liked it as much as I did, and excited to hear the feedback show. Amazing. Thank you, designer Will. The thing about um, Negan and Aaron and the scenes they had together in this episode, I was a little, well, I think it was a good decision on the part of the show to send them out there together and make it just the two of them. Like, I think they, I think the idea was they went out with a bunch of people, you know, a group of fighters to clear these zombies. But yeah. for whatever reason, we didn't see the rest of the people. It was all about the two characters kind of coming uh, or, or butting heads, right? Being totally at odds with each other and sort of the feelings, especially for the feelings Aaron has had about Negan for a long time, all coming out all at once. And if there were other people milling around or or even just other characters interacting in those scenes, I don't think it would have been quite as effective or you wouldn't have been able to focus on what was going on between these two men quite as, uh, quite as intently. And I think, I think they were great. I think it was a, it was a really good decision to do that. And both of these guys were fantastic in, in all these scenes. Yeah, I agree. Like if there was any other people around, we definitely wouldn't have got, this wouldn't have played out as, as it did and as we needed it to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can envision scenes where, you know, Aaron is really standoffish with Negan about the crowbar, but then other people around might have had different opinions and, and kind of watered it down a little bit and saying, look, I mean, let him have the crowbar. He's killing a lot of zombies here. He's helping out. It would have undermined Aaron a little bit. And that might have been what would happen in quote unquote real life. But I think on the show and for the purposes of the show and this scene, I think it worked really well, just the two of them. And it gave Aaron a real strong platform to stand on and make his feelings known, right? Yeah. If they had more people, they would have had to, you know, and, and Negan wanted the crowbar, they would have had a discussion. Then they would have to form a committee and somebody would have to bring <laughs> forward the motion to allow Negan to have the crowbar. And then they would have to be seconded and then they would have to vote and then uh, carry the motion and then or or... Aaron would veto it. It would just, it would turn into a whole thing and it would take like three weeks because you have to write reports and stuff. So yeah, uh, that, that shit is just really annoying. It's, it's easier to just, you know, lay down the law. No, you can't have that. What's the matter with you? Right. And I, and you're absolutely right. We don't want any of that stuff. I think what we got was best case scenario here. Yeah, I think so. All right. Uh, Chris in the UK wrote a long email in, he sent in like a million good points. Uh, as usual, but I chose these two for the purpose of this feedback podcast. And the first one is, he says, I loved the Negan and Aaron stuff. I was actually disappointed that Negan might be going slash staying bad. And I love that they allowed Aaron to properly hold his ground. Quote, you failed and your wife died hating you, end quote, was a damn effective burn. Slightly odd that Negan is apparently an expert botanist, but I'll let that one go. Uh, before I read the second half of his comment here, I, I mean, is it really that crazy to think that Negan might know what hogweed is? He doesn't have to be an expert. I don't think it's it. crazy. No, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, knowing the, uh, you know, how to, how to grow it from a seed and what the, uh, you know, the chemical or the, you know, the, the name of it is, I think they have names, right? Yes. What are they, what's that called? What do you mean? It's well, that's the, no, I mean, but the, uh, the botanical name or the, the, the oh, scientific like, name. Right. I don't know. The scientific name. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fine. Perfect. So, you know, he doesn't have to know that shit, but, uh, you know, knowing that hogweed is hogweed and hogweed does what hogweed does, uh, that doesn't take, that just takes experience, not technical know-how. Uh, yeah, exactly. He, he's run into it before or something like that. Right. So I, w I would assume so since he knew what it was called. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'd be, I'd run into it and be like, ouch, ouch, what the fuck, ouch, <laughs> and like, then die. <laughs> and then die. Okay. Because <laughs> I wouldn't know anything about that, and I'd be rub, rubbing my eyes, and uh, yeah, it'd be a mess. Let's do something weird here, Jason. Before I read the next bit of Chris's email, read the next one from Keith, which is yours anyways. All right, we have Keith from Facebook writing in about this. Uh, Giant hogweed is very dangerous. The sap can burn, and if exposed to the sun, it will cause severe blistering wherever it touches. So that's terrifying. And Keith posted some pictures on our Facebook page on the post of giant hogweed that are like 10 feet tall, and there's people like standing amongst it. So I'm saying... Don't stand amongst it. No. If it does this stuff, you stay away from that. Stay away from that shit. It looks very scary. I mean, you wouldn't stand amongst a giant poison ivy plant or, you know, roll around in stinging nettle or something. So stay away from hogweed, people. Yeah. There's a a grizzly bear over there rearing up. Let's take a selfie. It's like, no, it's a grizzly bear. Yeah. That's a terrible idea. So, uh. Terrible. Appreciate the information, Keith, that hogweed is in fact real. This is in North America? It's in like, Ontario. This is not a, it's not an Australian thing. This <laughs> seems like it should be in Australia. Where everything is trying to kill you. No, but uh, yeah. it's here. It's in Ontario. It's in Canada. It's probably in all over the United States. So be careful out there, folks. Fuck. I'm not going outside anymore. No, I know, eh? There's bears and hogweed out there. I know. And if you stand in the sun too long, you'll get a sunburn. Like, geez. Oh, I don't sunburn. You don't? Yes, very, you no, do. not very easily. No, it takes a long time for me to get a sunburn, especially way up here, up north. Why? You're pretty pale and pasty like I am. I don't know what to tell you. I never wear sunscreen, never have. I've gotten like three sunburns in my whole life, and two of them I was uh, near the equator. Wow. All right. Well, you're a lucky man, but don't don't push your luck because a bad no. sunburn is bad. I don't like it outside. I don't go out there unless I absolutely have to, and when <laughs> I do, I wear a hat. <laughs> okay, fine. And long sleeves and a wetsuit and everything else to protect you. I'm not wearing a wetsuit. That'd be hilarious. Uh, yeah, nobody wants that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go back here to the second half of Chris's email. Chris writes, regarding whisperer walkers, why not start dressing every walker you find as a whisperer? You might have to use a kill one, dress one policy, but it would make it harder for the whisperers to tell each other apart. If nothing else, it might make their signals more overt, thus making the whisperers easier to spot for our heroes. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. So why not just put a mask on every uh, zombie and let it wander around? I mean, you'll just confuse the whisperers, if nothing else. Yep. No, uh, confusion is uh, a good tactic. (laughs) Totally is. Yeah. So interesting idea. Um, But he's right. You have to kill one, make a mask, and put it on one that's still living. So... Or you kill a bunch, you make a bunch of masks, and then you have to herd them all and round them up and put on the... How do you put on a mask on a zombie? Like, that sounds like... It, it's like dressing a toddler, I would assume. It probably is, or trying to put a shirt on a cat. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I either bet you, one. I bet you that's not easy. <laughs> I've never tried, but cats have claws, right? So I don't know if I'd give it a shot or not. It's true. <laughs> Try it on your cat one day. You never no, know she's old now. Probably she's very like old it. and very delicate and very frail, and I wouldn't want to break her or cause her distress. So no. I'm not putting her shirt on my cat. All right. Well, go outside, find a stray cat and try to put a shirt on that. That could go just as well, I think. Yeah, that'd be, yeah, well, that would probably be accurate, you know, (laughs) trying to, you know, get a bunch of stray cats and put masks on them. (laughs) Right. Can you imagine a big gang of cats roving around with masks on? That'd be the weirdest thing you've ever seen. Oh, they'd be so pissed off. I'd stay away from them. Oh, me too. Yeah. I'm not going outside. There might be a whole herd of cats with masks on out there, (laughs) mad at me for some reason. Be careful. Just stay in your basement. You're safer there. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. uh, Call from Steve in bloody freezing Essex. Hi, Chris and Jason. Um, Just wanted to get what you guys thought on Carol after this episode. Um, I used to love Carol. I used to think she was the badass going to get with Daryl and, you know, have a family of their own and whatever. But so far, what we've seen in season 10, I can't stand her. She's a liability to the group and not sleeping when (laughs) such a simple fix is just to go to sleep. I don't know. At the moment, for me at least, I do not like Carol anymore. But I'm always Team Negan and his redemption so far is amazing and I can't wait to see what they do with him. 
All right, guys. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Steve, for that. So, Jason, I want to separate a couple of things that Steve said in his call. Okay. And those are um, the fact that Carol is not sleeping and the simple uh, solution to that is why not just go to sleep? Yeah, if if it only was that simple. So that's that's the first one. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, uh, I, I hate to say it, but I think that's a slightly controversial statement because it's, to me, it's like saying to someone, oh, you're sad, just cheer up. It's, it's not that yeah. easy and that's not the solution to the problem. Yes. And to be honest, I've rarely experienced insomnia. And when I do, like I consider insomnia being awake for about an hour when I'm trying to sleep. I know you, you just put your head down and you're out usually. I, yeah. I'm usually, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that I fell asleep, uh, after we got Jasper home from school and we were watching a bit of Paw Patrol and I just sat and I was looking at my phone on the, uh, on the couch and I just nodded off. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give you, I'll, to be honest with you, I can be sitting on my couch watching something on TV, basically falling asleep and then two minutes later be in bed wide awake and not being able to fall asleep. But that's a different thing. Um, but I wanted to separate that comment of Steve's because I, I don't think it's just that easy and you can't sort of play it off as being that easy. Anyway, no, my, my wife has insomnia yeah. and she's, uh, I, you know, if I just said, just go to sleep, I'd, I'd have to duck a swing. Right? <laughs> I really would. Maybe you'd be falling asleep somewhere else for on, you know, for that evening. <laughs> uh, yeah. And usually me going to sleep and being able to fall asleep very easily pisses her off when she can't sleep. Yeah. Well, every time I've slept with you, you've been out really quick. Yeah. No, it doesn't take long. That time we shared a hotel room, remember? And uh, I you, do. Were, you were out. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a cuddler too, so you have to watch out. <laughs> I was uh, very aware of that. Okay. Uh, so, the but the other thing I wanted to mention about Steve's is he mentions that uh, Steve's email is that she, he mentions that Carol is a bit of a liability to the group right now, which mm-hmm. may actually be true. Regardless of where her sort of problems come from, um, if she is hallucinating and sleep deprived, not sort of her proper alert self, she could get herself or others into trouble. And that is potentially a problem. It, it is. I mean, to be fair, she only shoots at real things. Right. All three shots that she took were aimed at real people. Okay. Good point. As as far as we know, like she shot at Alpha and then she shot at the three uh, whispers in the woods, mm-hmm. which we now know is are, are real. And then she shot a third time uh, when she was upside down in the, uh, in the gymnasium. Yeah. And that, that third one hit. So, you know, she is a liability and she is, uh, um, she's not doing very well right now and she needs a little bit of help, I think. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, she's not going to shoot at imaginary things or her friends or anything. She's, she's still, uh, she's still got Carol's aim. I mean, for now, but she, she could be going in that direction if she doesn't somehow resolve her lack of sleep problem, right? Yeah. She's out of bullets though, so. Oh, what are you gonna do? good point. She's out of bullets. <laughs> it's, it's harder to, uh, it's harder to do this kind of thing with a bow and arrow. I mean, you're still shooting at things, That's but true. It, it takes a little more forethought and you can't just like draw and shoot. A bow. No, you're right. Like a lisp, you, but, you know, you have to do, do it a little more on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely something that somebody would notice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. Um, thank you, Steve, for the call. All right. Next we have, uh, Tice. Tice, Tice or I think, I know he's written in a number of times, but I think it might be short for something like Matthias. So maybe it's Tias. And Matthias would be I like Matthew. I looked it up on the internet and I got either Thies or Tice. All right. Well. And I'm pretty sure it's Tice. Your name we have struggled with since you started writing. <laughs> but hopefully, please don't take any offense at our inability to pronounce it properly. We're from, we're, yeah, uh, you know, we're English speakers from Canada. Uh, we can't pronounce this. <laughs> it's tricky. It's tricky. Anyway, he's from the Netherlands and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Tice writes... 
As a mental health specialist, specialist, I was actually pleasantly surprised by how they portrayed Carol's mental health issues in this episode. Nightmares are one of the three main symptoms of PTSD, and I've known many patients in my career that use psychostimulants, although usually stronger than caffeine pills, in order to minimize the time they sleep. Hallucinations are less likely with PTSD, but when you add sleep deprivation, they become a lot more likely. The second main symptom of PTSD is disassociations, which is, a, which is complex to explain, but boils down to a disconnect between body and mind, leading to memory loss, losing the connection with the world around you, or loss of bodily functions, like eyesight you mentioned in the recap. The third main symptom of PTSD is flashbacks, which we of course see in Sadiq. Given the circumstances, it's obvious that we should see people with PTSD, although it is also possible that most people with PTSD did not survive this long into the zombie apocalypse. Is the word disassociation or dissociation? Because he wrote dissociation, um, but you said disassociation. Yeah, well, I wouldn't, I would tend to believe that Tice is right, or Tice. Yeah. Because dissociation is uh, probably accurate and my own lack of understanding. He's also mentioned things in here that uh, uh, that make me think that dissociation is correct. Well, anyways, I, I just was wondering. Um, He's also a specialist, right? Also a specialist, and, yeah. And probably knows how to write better English than we do. Well, probably. He's from the Netherlands, after all. Yeah, yeah. exactly. A- anyways, I don't know that I have any really thing to add to this uh, email but I wanted to include it because it sort of brings to the forefront the show's portrayal of Carol's uh, mental health issues. And um, at least from his perspective, it's nice to know that they are somewhat accurate, right? And he says that he was pleasantly surprised at how they portrayed it. So I think that's good to know and good on the show for doing that. So but I guess my question now is that the three symptoms that uh, that he's mentioned here... <laughs> Uh, the three symptoms are in three separate characters. Like we talked about uh, sleep deprivation and hallucinations with uh, with Carol. And then we he also mentioned the dissociation, um, the loss of eyesight, but that was with Aaron and had uh, an alternate chemical explanation. And I was just mentioning that I thought maybe it was like uh, uh, hysterical blindness. Remember right. Remember what I said that? So, uh, and then the third main symptom is flashback, which we saw in Sadiq. So maybe like with PTSD and, the, and multiple characters experiencing this, this episode, maybe this is a theme that they're going to hit on uh, throughout this entire season. I think additional characters other than the, the two or three that we've seen already. I think you could really be onto something there. And frankly, I think that's great because... The Walking Dead's been on the air for 10 seasons now, and I know a lot of people feel they have a little bit of theme fatigue with the show, right? Because they tend to explore the same things over and over again with different characters, characters are in slightly different ways. But this kind of thing feels a little new for the show. Not not 100% new. I mean, characters have had post-traumatic stress disorder on the show, whether it's been kind of obvious or overt or not, but, um, this feels a bit new. So you're right. Maybe they're going to explore this with a number of different characters. I could see almost anybody being affected by it, right? Absolutely. I'm surprised they're not all affected by it all the time. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. It's a really shitty world out there. It's hard to, it's hard to mentally deal with what's going on. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, but good point. I hadn't really thought of it like that. So we'll have to see where the rest of the season goes in that respect. Yeah. Okay, next up is Jen in California. And Jen wrote, I don't know if we spend enough time thinking about the evolution of Carol. I think about the timid, abused Carol of season one compared to the independent, strong-willed character she has become. Seeing those children's faces on the book just reminded me that of all the people on this show, she's evolved the most, yet she still seems like that season one Carol who's afraid to address her issues. Just something I was wondering if you guys notice when you watch. I I did not notice, but I agree. Yeah, but I do think that Carol is probably one of the most changed characters on the show, uh, partly because not many of the originals are left. Uh, and you could argue that Daryl is a pretty different guy now than he was in season one. Um, or season two, like he doesn't have a bandolier of squirrels or a necklace of ears anymore. 
Remember those days? That, that we, guy was messed up. He was. I mean, he may still have them hanging somewhere, but... Uh, and he, he did out-and-out out murder a couple of people, too. Did he? Yeah. Right? Well, that one guy that they... Uh, uh, with him, he was fighting with, uh, with Rick, and he just murdered him. Just straight up murdered him. Oh, that's right. That's right. He was a savior, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, you're right. I mean, Daryl is certainly a very different guy now, but Carol is at least as evolved as he is, right? And by evolved, I mean changed. So um, it's true. I mean, Carol has come a long way on this show and hopefully has a long way to go. Yeah. All right. Uh, am I next? You are. Sure. All right. So next we have Caden in Alberta writes in, Henry represented everything Carol wanted in life, a happy home in the kingdom, loving friends like Daryl, Rick, and Michonne, a loving husband in Ezekiel, and a child, a child that she could be a mother to. Then, after his death, Henry became a reminder of what she could never have. Her home, the kingdom burned down, she broke up with Ezekiel, and she pushed herself away from all her friends. When Carol dreams about Henry, she's reminding herself that she had this had the life she always wanted, and then she lost it. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of related to the last one in that Carol has gone through an awful lot. She's changed an awful lot. Um, and it got me thinking a little bit about the life that Carol does seem to want. And I realized that maybe even pre-apocalypse, she never really had the life she wanted because she was with an abusive husband. Yeah. Um, even though she had Sophia at the time, her daughter, um, she didn't have the sort of perfect life that she strived for. At least that's sort of what we assume she was going for. And then when she found it, or supposedly found it for a while with Ezekiel and Henry and stuff like that, it all got torn away when Henry's head got chopped off. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, you know, look at that. She's lost two children now and she's had to murder other children. I mean, it's amazing that she is still going in any capacity, really, when you consider what she's been through. Yeah. She's even tried to retire once already. When she first met the kingdom, she moved into that house and said, leave me alone. I'm going to live here. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm going to be the hermit in the woods. Uh, I can't deal with this world anymore. Just leave me alone. And then Ezekiel talked her into this life mm -hmm. that she, and then she grew to love it and then lost it all again. That's going to mess with your mind. Good God. It, would it ever? Yeah. I mean, and no wonder she's kind of lukewarm with Ezekiel right now, you know? I mean, they had a thing together and then it didn't work out in the most horrible of ways. And, so, uh. So maybe she blames him for being happy. Like, you made me happy, you stupid son of a bitch. I'm not talking <laughs> to you anymore. I mean, she could, she could blame him for certain things, right? Even if it's not, even if she knows deep down that it's not really his fault, I mean it's subconscious. She just doesn't feel the same about him because of everything that happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's not uncommon for a couple to not survive the death of a child. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's move on. We've got a call from Farrell. Hey, this is Farrell from Oklahoma with a comment and a question. My comments about Alpha's flip-flopping on her attitude towards sentimentality I think what's going on there is she's putting on a front for the rest of the group to look strong, hold her position, but the truth is she's really upset about Lydia and she just doesn't want to show that. My question is about the whisper walker that Carol shot. What if it ends up getting discovered by our survivors and that's how they figure out that Carol wasn't hallucinating that they were there. That would be a good way to uh, discover that. Thanks. Keep up the good work. Right. So thank you, Farrell, for that. The reason I included this here is because earlier in the week we talked about what the outcome of having a Whisperer Walker was and whether it would be more of an effect on the Whisperers or more of an effect on our people. And I think Farrell has hit on probably the most obvious and simplest explanation in that it will reveal to Michonne and Daryl and everybody that uh, Carol wasn't 
hallucinating those those whispers she saw following them in the forest if indeed that's where she shot the wa- shot the walker or um uh shot the whisperer sorry or even if it was in the it was in the uh, school gymnasium so mm-hmm. i think that's probably the most likely outcome of all of this at least in the short term yeah i agree i mean there's all kinds of possibilities but uh the simplest one is that since they're in uh, that walker Whisperer Walker is now is in their territory. It's probably going to be discovered by our intrepid heroes, if anybody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's going to open up this uh, hypocrisy in the Whisperers and that you're not allowed to cross into our land, but we can go into yours whenever we want to keep track of you. Uh, yeah. Right. That's going to that's gonna piss Michonne off. Well, exactly. It's going to piss Michonne off, leading yeah. to a giant confrontation or something like that. And then uh, Michonne's going to get killed off. That's my theory. No, Michonne's not going to get killed off. She's going to decide that Lucille needs to be brought into the fray to take on the Whisperers. Uh, I don't know who's going to wield Lucille. I don't think it's going to be Negan, but somebody will. Somebody will, but she's not going to choose Lucille over her sword, is she? No way. No, but she might take it out of its hiding place. I'm I'm sure that Michonne has Lucille somewhere, and I think that uh, who would who would be good with Lucille? Well. Think? I mean, Michonne certainly doesn't need, I mean, Michonne has a signature weapon. So does Daryl. Um, I can't see Eugene using Lucille. Aaron, I don't know. I think Eugene would be perfect. That's who I was exactly thinking of. I don't know. I'm not sure I can see him using her or it effectively. Oh, it's Lydia. Lydia is going to take Lucille. Now you're on to something. I can yeah. see Lydia doing it. Yeah. Lydia and Lucille. A team made in heaven and hell. <laughs> All at once. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see that, actually. That's a really, that sounds exciting to me. Let's do that. Let's do that show. Give Lucille to Lydia. Who she bashes with it, we have to wait and find out. Well, she's going to bash uh, Beta, right? That's how Beta's going to die. That would be something. Wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I want that. Please, uh, if the, the writers, if you're listening. Actually, I'm I'm a little upset about saying that because if that was the plan and the writers hear of it, it's too late to change their minds, right? Like they wouldn't just like say, no, we can't do that now because somebody on the internet said it and we have to avoid, uh, you know, correct assumptions like that. Well, it's too late to change it for season nine, but if it doesn't happen in nine, they could add it and or remove it from season 10. All right, let's do that then. Okay. I, I'm hoping that they list, they hear this and go, hey, that is a good idea, and then do it. If Lydia picks up Lucille and kills somebody with her this season, I think that's going to be very exciting for me, since you just called it. I might I might have to write some fan fiction here. Oh, yeah, there you go. Good idea. Lucille, I may I have to write Lucille's backstory. <laughs> anyway, it's a whole thing. It would be from Lucille's perspective, of course. Of course. Yeah. All right, next we have a call from Lisa. Hi, Chris and Jason. It's Lisa here from Queensland, Australia. Um, I just want to talk about um, the latest episode, Ghosts. Um, I loved it. I I really loved it. In fact, I've loved all three of the um, season 10 episodes so far. They've been excellent and um, I think really necessary in setting up what's going on and, you know, what's what's been going on with people. I love the conversation between Rosita and Eugene um, about the, um, about, you know, the girlfriend, boyfriend sort of thing. And I mean, it was heartbreaking, but um, it wasn't anything new. But I just loved how, um, how Rosita really kind of really put it to him and said, look, it's just not going to happen, you know. And I also love that the uh, the actress that plays Rosita, she seemed to really have found, found her voice. Um, I found in other episodes I, I kind of disliked her because she kind of mumbled or she, she was very creaky in her voice and, you know, it, it was hard to understand her. But, you know, when she was giving um, her you know, that speech to, to Eugene, she was really, you know, uh, this is the way it is. And, uh, there was no, um, no mistaking, you know, what she meant. And I really appreciated that. I really liked it. 
Thank you very much, Lisa. So I meant to say there that I, I did edit her call a little bit just for time. It went on for quite a while, but I also wanted to focus on her comments about Rosita and Eugene and agree that I do think Rosita has been um, used better as a character on the show recently. I, I appreciate what um, Christian Serratos, Serratos yeah, has been doing. And, uh, you know, you could say that about all the characters, to be honest, since Angela Kang took over, but or since Rick left, I mean, yeah. uh, Rick leaving kind of really opened up the, uh, the space for other characters to kind of come a little more to the forefront and to shine a little bit more. It, it did for sure, but they're just doing such a better job of balancing everybody. In my opinion, you know, it's not all about the small core group anymore that we really are getting more contribution from everybody. And that includes Rosita and even Eugene, right? Even though he's always kind of been around, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think they've just done a great job with that and it's, it's nice to see. So, um, it's also good that I think Rosita was finally so firm and clear with Eugene about her feelings for him and how she feels about the way he feels about her. Uh, it was a very good scene, pretty entertaining, and it felt real, and it felt like Eugene kind of got the point finally. I think he did. I think it was more about Eugene finally understanding than it was for uh, was for her to to finally get across what she, what she means. Yeah, I think she's been saying that all along. I'm not interested in you. I'm not interested in you. Sure, you can watch me have sex with the guy I am interested in, but that's it, buddy. You can even live in the house with us, right? Yeah, it's it's a weird line. I, I understand it's a weird line, but we're living in kind of weird times here, so whatever. But, uh, you know, she's been saying, you know, here's the line, uh, no relationship. We're not, you know, can't cross that line for quite some time. And then Eugene was finally like, oh, you don't want to be in a relationship. <laughs> that makes sense. That kind of makes sense now. Yeah. I sort of get it now. Yeah. So guys are dumb is basically all the, all I'm saying is like you could be firmly stuck in the friend zone for 25 years and not fully understand that you're in the friend zone. He's just like, wow, we're just still working on it. We're working towards it. It's like, well, it's been 25 years, buddy. You know, clue in or take off. It's going to happen one of these days. Yeah, one of, one of these days. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you, Lisa, for that. Next is Matt in South Wales, and he writes, Do you think Sadiq could potentially be a sleeper insurgent? Maybe Alpha has planted seeds in his mind, and now he's waiting for a trigger to set him off on a killing spree or just some sort of sabotage, thus aiding the whispers. Like a Trojan horse scenario. Well, we're looking at, it's a kind of a Manchurian candidate kind of thing, right? And that takes months to break somebody's will down, uh, to strip away their personality and then rebuild a new one yeah. that uh, will do something for you that they normally wouldn't do. So I, I really don't think there was enough time for that. But no. That's, that's a great idea. That's the thing. There just wasn't purely enough time. And Sadiq is obviously suffering from what he saw or was involved with, but I don't think he is a Trojan horse or a sleeper insurgent, as Matt says. Um, but that doesn't mean that he isn't um, affected greatly by these things or involved yeah. somehow. Yeah, don't let him take care of babies. Is I think that's an important point. Don't let him. Yeah. Don't let him take care of the baby. Yeah, he, he may not, not be. Of, he's not up to it. <laughs> right. He's not up to it. He may not be of sound mind enough right now to take care of a baby. If anything I've learned, babies are a lot of responsibility. <laughs> Most people who have one realize that, yeah. It's like, oh, oh my goodness, if I don't pay attention all the time, that person's going to die. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And I'm responsible for that not happening. Yep. Like if you, you meet somebody on the street and you just kind of go, screw you and leave them alone, there's a good chance they're not going to just die from that. They will likely be okay. Yeah. Yeah. But babies, not so much. Right. So you, you know, he's not qualified at the moment. <laughs> Sadiq's not qualified. Yeah. 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 You're right. right. So uh, next we have uh, Laura in Charlotte, North Carolina. Laura writes, I think they're setting it up to reveal that Sadiq had more to do with the beheadings than he let on. I'm wondering if they made him do some cutting. So this is a much more likely scenario in my mind yeah. that he is involved somehow and that he was forced to do something that he really didn't want to do 
and has really messed him up. So Laura, I think, may be onto something here, which will be revealed as the season pans out. Right. Alpha wasn't a police officer, right? Mm, I don't believe so, no. All right. Because I'm, I'm just thinking of, uh, I'm thinking of the prisoner's dilemma where you get uh, you get two people that were in cahoots in uh, some kind of thing and then you separate them and you get you try and talk both of them into turning on the other one and there's um it's game theory in if you turn on the other person and they don't turn you get off and they don't but you uh, but they the cost is they have to suffer the consequences the only way for everybody to benefit or the two prisoners to benefit is if neither of them turn and they don't in that scenario, they don't fully benefit. They only partially benefit. So I'll bring this around. So Sadiq, uh, it could possibly be that they had this group of people in this barn and there was some heads being cut off. And uh, at some point, Alpha said, I need a volunteer to not die. But that volunteer is going to be the only person that does not die. And then Sadiq went, yeah, okay, I'll volunteer. And then that was mentally suffering for it because his decision to save himself caused the lives of everybody else's, maybe. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, that would be horrible to have to be go through something like that. Yeah, the, the, the story advantage for that is that he would could suffer as much as he is suffering without actually performing any uh, murderous actions himself. It's just the decision not to want to die that had consequences and he's suffering, uh, you know, the moral decision of those consequences. Okay, so you're saying he could have just chosen to save his, save himself or do that as well as be forced to murder some of his friends. Yeah, it could be either one. But I think that uh, from a moral perspective, that if um, he didn't actually perform any of the murdering, that uh, just wanting to save himself would be enough to cause the level of suffering that he's feeling right now. Sure. I mean, his, uh, it's a, it's survivor's guilt, right? He, he survived and everyone else was horribly murdered. So. Yeah. It's like George Costanza, uh, noticing a fire and pushing everybody out of the way to get out of the building. Including a clown. (laughs) Including the clown and the, in, uh, the old lady that was in a walker or something, or was an old man in a walker. Yeah. Kids and stuff. So he's, so. You know, sure, he saved himself, but in order to do that, he had to push everybody else out of the way. You know, he's also a sociopath, so he doesn't really feel the consequences for that, but he understands that other people think that he's an asshole for doing that. I was going to say, I don't think George feels the consequences like Sadiq does. (laughs) No, they're all sociopaths on Seinfeld. It's just, it's four sociopaths going through life uh, in entertaining ways. Absolutely. That's what made them funny. (laughs) Yeah. At least in the Seinfeld universe. That's right. Uh, All right, Laura. So lots of interesting stuff about what's going on with Sadiq that we don't really understand yet, but I'm curious to find out. Uh, Next up is Chris in Syracuse. And Chris writes, when the Whisperers were coming to meet our gang at the border with the Pikes, Daryl sees the Whisperers coming and says, heads up, by the Pikes. Come on, (laughs) Daryl. A bit insensitive. Jeez. (laughs) Burn on himself. Heads up. Uh, yeah, that's that's funny. I I thought that was funny too. So thank you, Chris, for pointing that out. <laughs> he should have at least got a dirty look from Michonne. That yeah, been funny. It would have been funny. Seriously, maybe, don't maybe the mention heads. Don't. Maybe the writers didn't even notice. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, heads up is a thing you say a lot, but like, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe choose your words differently at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Next, we have a call from Tyler. I just want to make a comment about Chris calling a baby it. Jason, I totally agree with Yay. you. I think that's very strange. I think it is a big deal to call a baby it because they are people. We call them he or she or the baby or a baby. That Calling a baby it is very alpha or beta or whisper-like because they just left the baby in the field like it was an object. So don't objectify babies. They're people too. <laughs> Thanks, Tyler. <laughs> yes. Baby, babies are people too. Uh, apparently so. Um, but I'm going to stand firm on my side of this argument. I think it's okay to refer to a baby as it when you don't know the gender. Well, yeah. I mean, English has, I've, I've had a problem with uh, uh, 
you know, personal pronouns uh, for, in English for a long time. Uh-huh. We, we don't have a non-gender specific personal pronoun. No, that's why we use them or they. Yeah, they. Yeah. In the, yeah, it's, it's weird. I think we need one. There's other gaps in the English language that uh, uh, other languages will eventually fill. I don't know if other languages have such a pronoun, but uh, if they do, somebody should tell me and I'm going to start using it. Sure. And hopefully put it in the dictionary eventually. Sure. Because it bugs me. I, I agree. I mean, English falls short in that regard. Um, but I, the, the difference here for me is that it's not that, um, it's just that you don't know what the gender of the baby is. And so there's no reason you can't use the word it. I know it's a little impersonal and it dehumanizes maybe slightly, but hey, look at that baby. Isn't it cute? Like, what's wrong with that? Nothing. Aren't they cute? You could rephrase and it's not a problem. I just don't think my phrase phraseology of it is a problem. You could also say, isn't they cute? Right? You could use that if you wanted. I'd even forgive that. But that, well, that, that, I mean, I know it only sounds awkward to me because I'm not used to it, but. Uh, isn't he, she cute? <laughs> right. Isn't he slash she cute? <laughs> yeah. See, my problem was that I worked at a booking agency and I'd book clowns for uh, events. Yeah. Right. And I didn't want to commit to a gender. I didn't know at the time of writing the contract whether the actual clown that I'd be getting to fulfill the contract would be a man or a woman. So I did not want to use, you have to provide her a dressing room or him a dressing room. Yeah. Or you have to provide uh, him or her a meal break. So it would be, you know, I'd be writing, I'd have to work around that in all the contracts that I would write. Yeah, but that's why w when you when you write English, you often use he or she, or, you know, that whole S slash H E, right. To just yeah. indicate that you don't know. Um, but I also didn't want the client to necessarily know that I didn't know who the clown was. So there was also that kind of thing okay. as well. Cause I, I, you know, they were assuming that they were booking a person. It's like reserving a car, right? When I reserve a car, I assume I'm reserving a car. And when I get there, it's like, well, let's see if we have any cars for you. Uh, we don't have any cars for you in that class. I'm going to give you a truck. It's like, I don't want a fucking truck. I reserved a car. <laughs> <laughs> you know how to take the reservation. Exactly. You know how to hold the reservation. There's a lot of Seinfeld in this yeah. episode. Yeah. So, you know, they would book a clown and they would assume that they were booking a clown when in fact they were just saying, I'd like a clown. And I was saying, sure, here's a contract. <laughs> yeah. That's, we'll find you a clown later. That's fair. But that is a different issue than the, the he, she, it problem. So anyways... Maybe it's weird. I'm okay with calling a baby it, and I'm going to keep doing it, damn it. All right. Thanks, Tyler. I really appreciate your call. Uh, Chris is a jerk. <laughs> there could be that, yeah. Uh, we got one last call here. I don't remember if I'm supposed to announce it or you are, but I'm just going to do you it. All right. You is. <laughs> it's from H Helena. And this is actually about last week's episode and Alpha, but I wanted to play it because uh, why not? We didn't have, we weren't able to do any calls last week, so I dropped it here at the end. Hi, Jason and Chris. This is Helena in Seattle. I was just listening to you talk about this week's episode and about um, Alpha's motivations and how they are contradictory and not necessarily clear, but I feel like they are very clear and her motivation is just to survive and to have her daughter survive. And so everything she does comes from this maternal drive to, to have her daughter survive. I think she, her aim is to make herself and Lydia into these unfeeling um, entities that are, that have no attachments and the only purpose is to survive. And she feels that this is the philosophy that will help them survive and to surround themselves with like-minded people. And so she's tamped down everything else that um, could be seen as a caring or a, a, a way of having Lydia as an attachment, which is a weakness. Um, and I feel that she's trying to teach Lydia the same, and it's a very harsh way to go about it. Anyway, that's my, those are my thoughts on Alpha's motivations. Thank you so much for the show. Thank you so much, and sorry for mispronouncing your name, Helena. Did I mispronounce it again? No, I <laughs> okay. think that was closer. All right. Um, and 
uh, I also think that her voice sounds remarkably similar to Cassidy McClincy's, who plays Lydia. So if that's really you, Cassidy, I appreciate you wanting to use a fake name, but uh, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> oh, sure, you can out her right here on the podcast. Oh, yeah, of course. If she wants to be anonymous, let her be anonymous. All right, sorry. Maybe it's like her middle name or something, uh, or not her at all, uh, which is the most likely thing. Anyways, uh, Alpha's motivations, uh, you know, just trying to get her, her daughter and her to survive. And, uh, but she also doesn't want her people to really know that she still has that connection to her because it kind of is in contrast with what the, what the whispers are all about. I just thought it was an interesting point. Yeah. I don't really have a lot of comments, but yes, I don't really understand Alpha. And any insight into what she's thinking is helpful. Sure. All right. Well, very good. And that is the last bit of feedback we have for this week. So thank you so much for everyone to everyone for writing in. Uh, now, before we end here, usually I take a moment at this point to remind everyone how they can help support the show. But um, instead of that this week, I wanted to mention someone who wrote in named Deb from the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, Australia. Deb wrote in uh, for the first time a couple of weeks ago, not so much with a comment about the show or anything like that, but just to let us know that she really enjoys the podcast and she's been listening for a long time. And recently her son, Lockie, has gotten involved or not involved, but has started listening and has become a really big fan as well. So cool. Uh, yeah. Um, here's a quick excerpt from her email. She wrote, our family has moved a lot over the last few years and I don't mean to sound corny, but many times listening to the podcast in another new home, the familiarity of hearing your voices has been like sharing times with old friends, the ones you actually like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> that that was just really, really nice to hear. And I wrote back and, and thanked her and so on. But uh, Deb and Lockie, I am just delighted and sort of humbled that you've become or that we've become a part of your life like that. Right. And that you've been listening for so long. So I just wanted to say thank you. And I'm glad to hear you're enjoying it. Feel free to write or call in any time. We would love to hear from you some more and hear your comments on the show um, whenever you want. So just, just wonderful, and I just wanted to say thanks. Warms my heart. Exactly. It really does. It really makes you feel good when, uh, when you know that people are out there and, and enjoying it and getting something out of it that you wouldn't really expect, right? Yeah. And it I makes mean, me think of the difference between old friends and old friends. Like, he's an old friend, or he's an old friend. <laughs> it's all in the intonation. <laughs> yeah. I, I have old friends that are no longer friends because they're old friends. Got it. All right. Well, thanks you two for writing in and uh, please keep listening and give, send us your thoughts anytime. All right. Let's wrap things up here, Jason, for the week. What's coming next? Well, uh, next week we have another episode four, another new episode of The Walking Dead to talk about, and it's called Silence the Whisperers. The special thing about next week's episode is that it's directed by Michael Cudlitz. Oh, nice. Yeah. So uh, Abraham has come back to direct an episode, and he does another one before the mid-season finale later on. He's done them before, right? No, this is the first time he's directed uh, this I show. I thought I saw Michael Cudlitz as a director in a previous episode. Well, Are you sure? I'm not going to go out on a limb and say I'm 100% sure, but I, I think this is the first time. Oh, but now you've got me doubting myself. Maybe it's not the first time. <laughs> All right, let me let me look. I'm pretty sure that I saw Michael Cudlitz directing. All right. Well, either way, this upcoming episode is indeed directed by him. It's called Silence the Whisperers. So if you'd like to do a title read, uh, please do. Record it into your phone and send it into us. I'll play as many of them as I possibly can. I'm right. Are you? Stradivarius. Last season, Stradivarius, he directed oh, that. Oh, good job. All right. Excellent, Jason. You're right. Uh, okay. Well, Michael Cudlitz. So he returns as a director, and it's not that special. <laughs> I still think it's awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. Yeah, that's true. 
Uh, all right. If you'd like to get in touch, visit our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com. Click on send voicemail at the top. That'll get a message right to us and you can record it right into your computer if you are sitting in front of one. You can also use your phone and some sort of, you know, voice recording app and record something and send it to us. Any email you want to send should come to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, check out our Facebook page if you feel like it at facebook.com slash the talking dead. Yeah. And just a point of clarification, when you say any email you want to send, don't send all your emails to us. Uh, Some of that stuff might be personal and probably should be sent to the intended recipient. I agree with that. Yes. Um, please send appropriate email to us. If you mean to send an email to us, send an email to us. If you don't send all your email to us, cause we can handle that. No, no, no. That would be far too much, far too much. And, uh, yeah, I don't need to read about your plans for like next Friday night. Cause right. I, 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 you know, unless you want me to come and then send those emails to me. <laughs> Cause you never know. <laughs> sure. Uh, alrighty. So thank you for tuning in everyone until next time. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.